cell. I died there. They buried me. There were worms. Worms make me crazy. Crazy? I was crazy once. They locked me in a padded cell. I died there. They buried me. There were worms. Worms make me crazy. Crazy? I was crazy once. They locked me in a padded cell. What is going on? (laughs) Sorry, it was acting exercise. Um, (laughs) Well, I was uh, was going to ask y'all. No, I'm not going to cut it. I was going to ask y'all on a hot summer night, Hmm? would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. Sad news. Let me sleep (laughs) on it. Let me sleep on it. Sad news in the last couple weeks, y'all. We lost some really special people. Right. We lost yeah. Meatloaf. The as dinner. a person. Anti, anti-masker. Eh. Yeah. As a yeah. person, eh. His, man, Bad Out of Hell, though, that album, I get, yeah. it is a tradition for me for every fucking wedding I go to to get at least buzzed and then go to the DJ and request Paradise by the Dashboard Light. It's The thing is a monster. <laughs> Can I make a suggestion for one of your upcoming stuffs, CJ? Yeah. Yeah, bat out of hell the musical. A musical. I only know the album. Like I. No, that's what I'm saying. Let's learn it. Let's find it. We don't need to know it. Let's let's explore it. Let's let's. Let's, let's I know the cassette tape that my dad used to play in his pickup truck. (laughs) Cassette tapes. (laughs) Hey, can I bring up something else? And I don't mean to be controversial or stir up anything. Mm. In episode one, we did it, but last week we did not, and we did not state the plain simple fact. That mouths and butts no. are the same things. No. <laughs> we didn't do it last week. Stop. It's over. But, the bit is dead. The bit is dead. I don't know that I don't, it's dead. I, I don't think it's dead. I think it just needs to be well paced and, and placed, <laughs> sprinkled throughout the series. You're right. The season. If the bit is, is based in fact, then it can live forever. You're right. It's an immortal bit. Yeah. Hey. Keela is waiting so patiently. We appreciate him so much. He looks annoyed. He just gets. He just do I look like a agrees. do I look do I look like a patient Siamese wife? Oh, oh yeah, that's a great segue. The gloves, because, the gloves are coming um, off. The gloves are coming off. We got a lot to talk about today. By the way, welcome uh, to Theater Theater, the Theater Podcast. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you, you should learn, Keela, not to interrupt my amazing intro that that people look so heavily for. They they want they they crave this intro. You well, know, this is why we have fifty listeners the day after we post. <laughs> <laughs> they want to hear my intro. I'm one of those. So forty nine. Thanks, Keela. It, so is Scott. So is CJ. It's fine. 
Anyway, welcome to Theater Theater, the theater <laughs> podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. Out of a yawn. Scott <laughs> like That's the kind of podcast we're getting today, y'all. It's the sitting down, y'all. It makes me tired. Why don't you hop around a little bit before we get into this one? Because this <laughs> do, is going to be fun. Do your Each arm roll. Do your arm roll. Arm circles. Backwards. Whatever you got to do. Each okay. week. We do get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. Uh, And this is part three and the finale of our miniseries covering the works of Rodgers and Hammerstein. That's right, it's South Pacific. We've already talked about Carousel. South Pacific and their entire chronology, actually. You can go back and listen to episode two. If you skipped episode two, it was a little weird anyway. Yeah, right. But this week, we are covering The King and I, and we are once again joined by my dearest friend, the most patient and beloved. <laughs> His name is Keela oh, Packett. Hi, Keela. He is pleased with me. It's great to be here. I'm I'm so glad to talk about old ancient classics and why they are are and are not relevant in 2022. I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest, part of me is a little sad we didn't cover something else besides their three most problematic shows. <laughs> I um, think it's good. <laughs> it, no, it is good because it's fun to talk about it especially from a 2022 lens. But part of me wishes we had one episode where I got to just gush and be like, this show fucking rocks. And we just get to, like, have fun talking about it. But I don't know that we're going to have fun talking about this. I mean, we're going to have fun. We always have fun. We always have fun. But this is this one's hard. This one's which, one of those, which one of those shows would that be? Not Cinderella. Well, no, but it would be interesting to, f- to do some to- music. So, well, Sound of Music we're already covering, which is why I, I felt know. like it would be weird to cover it twice. But I do feel like... You know, even like something weirder, like Me and Juliet or Pipe Dream, like where we could, you know, Allegro, where we could even talk about the flop of it all, you know, because these also are their three kind of most up until this point, especially these are like major hits. Huge. Still huge. Still huge. Today we're talking about the King and I is the most revived musical in history that's right it wins the tony every time it does it too 15 or 16 major interesting we'll get into that we'll get into it because there's there's a lot to talk about here yeah this week we're talking about the king and i i want to hear what it's about though yeah because we've we've already kind of gotten into it but what there's something that helps with that we gotta we gotta cure for the the ignorance hey cj (laughs) (laughs) red pill or blue pill (laughs) purple pill CJ's breakdown. The newly widowed Anna is trying to have her 1860s version of Eat, Pray, Love when she arrives in Bangkok, Siam to be the new school teacher to the royal family of the king. The king is determined Siam joins the modern world and that Western education is the key. However, Anna is horrified at first by many of the traditions that he holds dear. An antiquated East-West meet-cute. 100%. In fact, that's the podcast. Like, let's, she said it all. I don't know that we need to go any further. I'm looking at Keela's face. I feel like Keela has something to add. I, I have a whole lot, a whole new take on this after watching it again recently. I can't wait to hear about it. 
Keila, what are you, what, like, initial thoughts? Just King and I, like, just, what, like, do you have, have you been in this show? Do you know anything about this show in terms I've of? Never, yeah. I've never been in it. It's one of the first musicals I remember listening to growing up. My mother is from the islands of Hawaii, and we have, we are claimed to have some Chinese roots uh, based in Hong Kong. So the East Asian um, story was very attractive to me. And, you know, watching the movie as a kid, you're just kind of fascinated by it and by the king and by Anna as the teacher, and she's teaching them, and everything's so cool and so um, proper. And then when you and grow grandiose. up, you realize grandiose for yeah. sure. Um, just uh, really flashy and elegant. And um, you don't, you don't, you know, because when you're young, you kind of just take everything as you see it. It's like, uh, you know, it's like a beautiful story. But then when you get older, you kind of see some of the, the holes there. Uh, but yeah, I've never, I've never been in it. I have always loved the songs, and in um, high school, I don't think we performed it. But I, uh, a friend of mine who was in, uh, I was in Godspell with, he played Jesus. His name is Jose Lana. He ended up uh, playing Lunta in the 1996 revival, starring Donna Murphy mm. and. Lou Diamond Phillips, right. which I got to see. That was my first production of The King and I that I got to see. And then I saw most recently, I think in 20, 2018, the tour of the most recent Broadway right. revival. Right. And that was starring my friend Jose as the oh. king. Oh, cool. 20 years later. That's a cool And Laura Michelle circle. Kelly. Yeah. That's awesome. Siege and Scott, have you all seen this show? Yes, I've seen it a couple of times and I worked on, I was an assistant director on a production of it when I was right okay. into college and um, not a person of color in the cast. And one of my duties pre-show was that I had to uh, dark spray, hair spray paint the kids beforehand because there were a lot of blonde hair blue-eyed kids in it oh, so no. uh, yeah um, no, I, I will say my freshman year of high school uh we did aida uh and i was playing the egyptian man which is a role that has maybe five lines mm -hmm. and the director who took things very seriously and would get like huge budgets from like rich parents and things like this to do these shows he asked me if i would bick my head like full wow. shave my head to, to like yule brenner keela style all the way down and then go get spray tanned like pretty dark no way he did You're not ask i was in high school he did not ask anybody else to do this this was not something that was like a major like he wasn't asking the people playing the Nubians to do this. So it wasn't like he was he wasn't going that far, but he was just like you're you know you're the Egyptian man. You should do you should look like this. And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and I went and did it. Oh no. I just think about that a lot. It's really it's embarrassing and it, there's a picture of me up in the in that high school like with that. Oh no. Like that's it's insane. Um so I just think about that a lot when you tell when we tell stories like that, Scott. Uh anyway, uh yeah. Siege. Uh despite the fact that Yule Brenner had a hand in uh my creation, <gasps> um 
<laughs> no, he was there. Like, he was there. Keyless he watched. Too. He was watching. <laughs> Keyless too. His parents went on a date and saw Yul Brenner and King and I, just like mine. I had never. I'd seen scenes from the movie. I'd known songs. The what? Let's see. Nineteen fifty-six was when the movie was. So I, but I'd never sat down and watched it before. So to prepare for this, I watched the old movie, and then uh, YouTube had. The Musical Theater of San Jose did it in 2006, which was literally step-by-step step the movie. It was the same people that did... I watched their Ragtime when we covered Ragtime years mm, ago. Right. But that's it. I And, you know, everybody knows the song Getting to Know You, which I was thinking about this. We we kept going back to Adam's family, and we were trying to figure out what scene Wednesday and Pugsley did where they were shooting blood all over the front row of the theater. Yeah. Right. Before that was the elementary class that sang Getting, Getting to, know. to Know You. <laughs> they were all wearing like flower Dresses hats. like flowers and vegetables. Yeah, that's hilarious. I just thought of that. No, that is funny. <laughs> that's brilliant. I've seen this show a few times, and I did. I, I definitely watched the movie as a kid, but this is my pattern with this show every single time, y'all, and I hate to say it because I've seen productions with friends in it. Saw it as a kid at Music Theater Wichita. Saw it again on a boy choir trip. I was in a touring boy choir. I saw it at uh, Oklahoma City University or something. And then I saw it at Music Theater Wichita again when I was in, uh, in college. And every single time I see this show, I fall asleep. Every single time. And I'm not one who falls asleep in shows. Like, I mm -hmm. honestly don't. And every single time I've ever seen it, I fall asleep, and usually, usually, it's during the play within a play. It's oh. during the show within the show. It's okay. the- I'm excited to Uncle talk Tom's, about that. Uncle like, Tom's And cabin. I know people- Up Uncle Tom's small house, right? Right, well, in this, which yes, uh... is, <laughs> it, which we'll obviously get into, but I just don't know what it is every time. I just pass out and I'm gone and I wake up and they're singing the final songs and I'm like, oh yeah. And and then and people are like, it's kind of sad, right? He died. And I'm like, wait, he fucking died. Spoiler alert. And like, he fucking died. They're like, yeah, like, oh, I've never seen that. I've never seen that scene. I don't know I've... how that ha happens. Um, this time around, I was like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to force myself through this thing. Can I tell you what I did? Fell asleep. I fell the fuck asleep <laughs> 30 minutes in oh, and nice. woke up during the credits. And I went, God damn it. And I rented this thing. See, and my... I woke up and I went, God damn it. So I forced myself to watch the third act, the back, the back end of it. And I See, now have seen it. And I was like, great. My take now is that The King and I is the story of a woman who enters a foreign country under dubious credentials and then kills the, its sovereign ruler with the weapon of dance. Because that's the only connection. <laughs> they dance together, and then he dies. He gets something, and he dies shortly thereafter. <sighs> You're not wrong. No, I guess dance <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a musical based on, it started as a book, right? It's based on Anna and the King of Siam, written in 1944 which is a uh, Margaret Landon novel. Yes. Um, and it's kind sure. of based on the memoirs of an actual person, the governess actual. of the children of the, of the actual King Munga. Our nature really into governesses and millions of children. Are you right? <laughs> well, and it's and her, side and, stories of forbidden love. <laughs> and and yes. her story, oh, yes. 
there's a there's an ironic right. story about her background like because we found out later that she was at least a quarter indian she was born in bombay and lied about her ethnicity and background for years and years even even in getting the job with the king in real life she huh. kind of was like that's crazy. Oh, my my husband was a it was an officer and i'm a widow and he was like he was a clerk who ran a hotel like and that was like she, her life is fascinating his life is fascinating the king uh mungukt was they both had these fascinating lives and i'm like why didn't you tell these real stories because they would have been so totally. much more interesting and honest and compelling in so many ways but I mean, she she was a credentialed teacher and stuff. It wasn't like, but she lied and and mm -hmm. kind of twisted things. And he, on the other hand, was a hugely learned man. He spoke multiple languages. He created a whole new branch of Buddhism. He spent he most of his life monk. as a monk. Yeah, he was a monk wow. for most of his life. Yeah, which and is so, why this this all becomes so reductive. And right, <laughs> like I mean, there's so well much put, reductivity well here, and we'll obviously get into it, but. Thank you for the hashtag Scottopedia. I appreciate it deeply. Thank you, thank you. Um, she claimed, Anna, she claimed that she was Welsh. And that's oh, why yeah, that's that, yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. I'm dark. My my dark <laughs> complexion's because I'm Welsh. I'm like whatever, bro. Like you're on a, you're, you're from a, an island anyway. They write this musical. There was also a movie uh, that had been made off of this book a couple years after the book came out. I believe it was like forty six. Rex Harrison plays the king yeah. of frickin' Siam. Now, you sh I highly recommend looking up those pictures. Yeah, they're they're good sure and offensive. Like Jonathan Price and mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's kind of that yeah. bad. It's actually it's not at that bad because it's in black and white, so it doesn't. Yeah, they don't feel the need to go as bad as Jonathan Price. That's yeah. that's tough. That's. Ugh. <sighs> They mess with his eyebrows and stuff and his hair. Like yeah, with Rex Harrison, it's just black hair um, and a tan and some, you know, a little bit of they, eye the eye stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So they make that movie. So then when they actually bring it to Broadway, the first thought is, well, Rex Harrison, he's going to play the king. We got to bring him in. Uh, he couldn't do it. Then they there was someone else they tried to bring in. Do we know? Who oh, it was Noel Coward. Noel, Noel Coward. Coward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could not do it. They just could not see beyond the Anglo-Saxon person. They also Fuck. they also wanted to hire the original producers wanted to hire Cole Porter. Oh, oh, Cole Porter, that's right, that's right. But it was uh, Gertrude Lawrence who brought it. Yeah. To Rogers it was her. It was yeah, it was her agent her, to, through her yeah. representation. Right. He was well, getting a little older and needed a star vehicle. And, right. Uh, yeah. They also had thought about Alfred Drake the original Curly in Oklahoma. Oh, right. But his uh, contractual demands were insane, apparently. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't find them. I, like, actively <laughs> looked for, like, what did he ask for? That was so All crazy. All green M&Ms. Yeah, that kind of shit. Where really he was just like, also, I must have someone who ties my shoes for me as I leave. And, you know, just, like, interesting stuff. So then Mary Martin, uh, who I knew growing up as Peter Pan... Yeah, because uh, I used to watch that televised Peter Pan of her like on frickin' loop as a kid. I had it on uh, VHS, but uh, and she was the original Nelly Forbush. She obviously, was the original and Nelly in, in South like Pacific. This. 
Uh, but she suggested her co-star from a musical she had done uh, that was set in China. That that was Yul Brynner. So he came in and... Uh... God, was he a fucking snack. <laughs> what a hot DJ. Guy. He was hot as shit in that movie. I'm sorry. And, just... and, and that's another element. Like his whole background or what we know of his background like is so weird. I mean, talk about somebody who's... Not a shyster, but he was definitely a self-promoter in terms of... Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, he was... He's labeled as being a Russian-American, and his Russian may may have been Mongolian, so there's always... People, the defenders are always like, that's... It's East East Asian. I'm like, yeah, but he also got a lot of French and Swiss and German. Yeah, all that to say, he's from Russia. His real name is Yuli. Yuli. Oh. Yuli. Changed it, shortened it to Yule. You remember Cool Runnings, the movie Cool Runnings? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Is that, because it's based in truth, was that guy's actual name Yule Brenner? I don't know. I Probably. think that that was a fictionalized <laughs> version of the actual story. Okay, I'm going to look that up because I'm interested now. But I love um, that movie. John up, Candy. Y'all. John Candy, give a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I, I think Yule Brenner's a really interesting character. Um, he, he plays this this character this king forever basically forever. until he dies and he dies of lung cancer on tour uh Oof. doing this part he actually found out that he had lung cancer while in LA on this tour playing this role wow on his 4000th 4000th performance Whoa, crazy 4000 crazy and he still performed 625 times after that after that Shit. but during that time something i found that was i thought was so interesting and kind of incredible of him is and like humbling and like amazing is that he for the american cancer society he made a video in that time to be released after his death about right. him saying like I have I had lung cancer because I smoked cigarettes, huh. and now I'm not here anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, it ends like, with him me, just like, looking into the like, camera, going, "Don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke." I remember, or you'll end up like me. Sure. And yeah. I feel like that probably affected a lot of people back in the. I mean, that's a big deal. I, re- I remember yeah. as a kid. I remember it happening. I remember when he passed away. Because uh, if you shout back to the our first part of the series, we had a dog, a family dog named Brinner. Because he would do it. He would just come and he would stand. He was a Dalmatian and he would just stand like Yule Brenner. And, um, but yeah, I remember being kind of shook up by it as a kid when all that who happened. Who was the original Anna? Gertrude Lawrence. Gertrude who, Lawrence. Who also passed away because of cancer. She got sick while working on the show. It's the King and, and I they, Yeah, they didn't know what it, it was. And then she did it for a, a while, good maybe a year. Yeah, and then she passed away very and she quickly. Was buried she missed... in her Anna costume. She was her, buried her in the final champagne-colored dress from the second act. She also, in her deathbed, uh, demanded that Yul Brenner have uh, billing on the marquee because it was just right. her name at the time. Right. So she knew That's how cool. big he was getting. Yeah. yeah. Was she buried a in sweetie. a fucking piano case because of that skirt? <laughs> Yeah, and apparently that skirt gave her, like, bruises. Like, Oof. hardcore. Uh, yeah, those were, like, 40, 50-pound, you know, 
costumes. Uh, I know Deborah Carr lost like 12 pounds. Yeah, she, she was. was yeah, it. it was um, especially he lost like lung. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, they had oxygen tanks for him throughout the, the filming. Uh, like so meatloaf. Deborah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, so meatloaf. Deborah Carr is also someone interesting to talk about. Um, I know her from, it's spelled Kerr, but it's pronounced Carr. Am I correct? Yeah, that's that's yes, what I've because, always been told. Because yeah. uh, when Louis Carr B. Mayer signed her. a star. Yeah, they, that was their campaign for her. So mm. you had no choice <laughs> to see Deborah Carr as a star. new redheaded star. I love that. I know her from Black Narcissus. Yes, the original, which is our so English good. teacher had us watch that. The original Black Narcissus. I don't. Is yeah. there a remake of Black Narcissus? There, yeah, there's they, a they, series they, that came out like yeah, two years ago. yeah. It's like AMC maybe that really oh, that expanded on the the novel a lot. Well, speaking of awesome nun thrillers, everyone should watch Paul Verhoeven's new movie Benedetta. Okay. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, we're, we love Paul Verhoeven on this podcast, Kayla. Um Or at least we love Showgirls. I don't know. If that Wait, works. Showgirls, of course. Yeah. Y'all listen to our scene. Showgirls episode. We came around big time on I that I think movie. we love it. Is it the best movie ever? It might be. I had never seen it until I went to uh, the the Castro Theater in San Francisco. They had a big screening oh, of it. Oh, wow. That's hot. Uh, that's and cool. Peaches Christ, who's a drag... Yeah, drag star and some other cast members acted it out as we were watching. A la Rocky Horror. Yeah. 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 They did that with Death Becomes Her too. Drag Becomes Her. <laughs> and after a few Vendella drinks, Crown. it's quite entertaining. It's quite <laughs> yeah. entertaining. Another interesting part about the Deborah Carr uh, thing in the movie is the dubbing, right? So dubbing which we now mm -hmm. think of in movies um, at the time, like doubling, which is where we get the word dubbing was done for a lot of singers, but it was always done in secret. They did not want people to know that this was going on. And in fact, that's still how it happens. In fact, I know someone who, and I'm not, I'm not going to say anything, anything deeper than this, but I know someone who has recently, you know, signed an NDA where they had to, be a voice of somebody and if it got out that they were the voice of this person it would probably be a pretty big deal like this huh. still happens so oh, yeah. natalie wood audrey, audrey hepburn, hepburn neither of them actually knew that they were gonna be dubbed when their musical movies came out they didn't find out till they were at the premiere and Fuck. didn't hear their voices they recorded as if they were singing those movies natalie wood was pissed but all three of these women, Deborah Carr, Natalie Wood, and Audrey Hepburn, their voice is the same woman. Their singing voice is the same woman. Her name is Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon. Give a and big shout out because what a career yes, that woman Marnie Huge shout out. She uh, also did a lot of – she did what they would call like tune-ups for Marilyn Monroe movies. They called it, uh, they call it sweetening. Sweetening, yes, yes. perfect. Where, Where they she would, would do high would, notes and stuff. She would just hit the high notes because it was like, Marilyn Monroe can sing, but her high notes aren't really there. So she would just come in and just sing the high notes. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But it's, you know, and then obviously White Christmas gives you that little look behind the curtain of like, look, sometimes it's not always them singing. And that was kind of controversial or whatever. But Marnie Nixon, we and, stand uh, a legend. Singing in the Rain. Stan a legend. Yeah, totally. Oh, I meant Singing in the Rain. Did I say White Christmas? Yeah. Oh, I'm missing in the rain. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I'm missing in the rain. Yeah, same shit, different toilet. But I will. Right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But for her, for Marnie specifically, what's really exciting now is that if you go onto this 
cast album or this movie soundtrack, it she is credited. It's not Deborah Carr. Which but is Deborah great. Carr was very gracious in. Yes. I mean, they spent six weeks together. Yeah, they were. They worked together on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can. There's moments where you can feel it, but there's also moments where you're kind of amazed. Like there's that song where she's speaking to the children. I don't even remember the song now, but she's speaking to the children, and at first she's she sings two lines, says two lines, and then right. singing. Getting again. to know you. It's it's both. It is them. getting to know you, and it's really clean. Oh yeah, mm. beautiful. And you're like, oh shit. And and then you read, oh, they work together and were very good friends. And now to yeah. just see Marnie's name. When you click on the soundtrack, is kind of exciting. That's all. And yeah. she's also in the Sound of Music. And she's in the Sound oh, of Music. She's one of the nuns. She's one of the nuns in Sound Which of Music. Which one? Yeah. No. I think she's the one in uh, when they say the one who uh, looks a little bit like Diane Keaton, like Maria. Uh, yeah, so I think it, that, that might be the one. I think I, it is her. Yeah, because she that also one that looks on just Broadway a little bit stuff. like Diane Keaton. Yeah. She was also on Broadway and stuff, and, and she's been in movies and, and done things, Marnie Nixon has, but oh, yeah. Was... She had a great career. What's cool about Yul Brenner is that, you know, he, his father, the, uh, his father abandoned the family after he fell in love with someone, an actress, hmm. and then the mother, they moved to China, they, moved, they were in China, and then they moved to Paris, and then back to China, and during the war, they left via Japan to go to San Francisco in 1940. So he was 20, 21, and his sister was an opera singer in New York. So he moved to New York and made his Broadway debut, I'm sorry, yeah, his Broadway debut just a year later. Uh, so, and that's, you know, that's just 10 years before he became an overnight sensation in 1951. And and, and was, was on remarkable. the verge of giving up acting because he had- Oh, been, he was a director. He was directing TV and was starting to make right. money. And he's like, why would I, why would I go to Broadway? The televised plays. Yeah, the televised <laughs> yeah, te plays. He, he was really into that. Plays, yeah. Which was and huge back in the day. All those, um, you know, theater He was also a, a trained acrobat. That's right. He was. A, he did circus. He was like a circus performer. It was an amazing. Mm -hmm. In Paris. Amazing, fascinating group of people. That and he posed nude. Him. I found a nude photo of him today. Want to see it? Hot, yes. Kind of. Our, our we'll audience posted on the Instagram. It. But, um, Yeah. Oh, what a gangster. Yeah. He's got a little okay. chody chode. Aww. <laughs> we love you. It was very Before cold, they were stars. Though. Yeah. No, it's a good it's a good hoss. It's a good cock. All right. So I think <laughs> Oh, I wanted to say also Anna Leon Owens. She was the maternal aunt of Boris Karloff. <gasps> what? Is that real? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's real. Uh I love that keyless tidbits now let's step through this a little bit because this is it's a complicated show because it's all about this like king who wants to the word they use is modernize yeah what they really mean is westernize yes no it, it's a complicated no, I, it, it, it's, it's it, all it cultural is. imperialism yes it really is yeah. and when you read about him in real life he was he was specifically focused on modernizing his country and not westernizing his country right. like he he was very aware and very much trying to prevent colonialism because he the merchants were the the western merchants were coming through the missionaries which he had a very low tolerance and which is actually how anna got into siam but 
this musical uh, poses it as him being like, no, I want us to all speak English. Yeah. I want to trade like you do. I want to democratize like you, like, you know, it's just like. Except no underwear. Right. And also. Uh, well, that's fair. It's very hot. <laughs> Everyone's commando. <laughs> right. And there's this weird kind of. You Bangkok know, is very humid. <laughs> he's very, very misogynistic. Humid. Right. That's like sort of this through line that she ends up teaching him, making him better kind of thing. But even that, and it's kind of proto-feminist, whatever, but even that, which I think is ends up being sort of the point of all this, right, is, like, if the point of the whole show is, like, different cultures can get along, and also we can, like, teach this misogynistic person, like, how not to be that way, kind of, like, if that's the point of the show, which is what I get when I walk out of it, right? Sure the equation doesn't fully add up for me. And I'm not even talking like 2022, like they, she's treating him like he's an idiot. Like he's the, he's, it just makes these, them the other the whole time by making him this misogynistic figure. It's condescending. It's, it's the, it's the condescension of, of the colonialism and of the Westernism in it. That's that I found the most bothersome right that's i mean that's his arc is giving into this idea that like i don't know well and there's a reason why there's a reason why this the play and the movie are both banned in thailand yeah Mm. and it's still still banned in thailand still banned in thailand that's a big thing because politically that's even prescient now like it's it's a a whole thing about like talking bad about the monarchy about the royals about anyone of status like you can't do it on social media. You can't do it in art. You know, like it was banned then, and it still is. Like I don't think they—they they just don't even talk about it. You know, which I think maybe means something, right, to us as America. I mean, this is one of those, and we—we've said it with the other two, but this is actually the one that I'm like, I think this can die. I don't know that there's a reworking of this. <laughs> I think oh, there's see? a new story to be told out of. Anna's and this King's actual stories. I think that could be interesting. I just think we need to murder this show. That's my uh, see. I so sad. I, I so disagree. Sad. I think I like it's the, the most fixable of the three that we've read. I think it's the one that could be fixed. I think Carousel is the most one. fixable. See, I disagree. This, with this, you this. I think it's it's interesting when you look at the book and you look at the King's philosophical ponderings with Anna and the whole thing about faith and science and how people end up always kind of coming to an agreement. And there's a lot of kind of uh, really progressive um, just elements that Rogers and Hammerstein, I think, were trying to get, get across to the audience that, yes, we have to listen to each other. We're different cultures. You know we're we're all human in you know in the end, but there's there's a much deeper, um, there's just a much deeper philosophical method that I think the king serves. I agree. In yeah. in, in his it is he is infantilized unfortunately because he's like, well, you know I think that religion is this and 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 what do you think? Oh, so then I must put two and two together. So he is kind of treated. Treated yeah. like a young boy, yeah. and unfortunately, he's not daddy because he's a, he's he's still kind of like a young boy who throws tantrums. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it is a bit cultural imperialistic where she's like, well, this is what we do. We don't use chopsticks. We use forks. And, yeah. he, and then even to himself, he's like, ah, yes, Western are too unintelligent to understand the scientific meaning of using chopstick, right? So he has like, there is some energy there that's trying to get past the archaic colonialism because, yeah, like you said, modernism is different than westernizing. Right. Sure. And, you know, that, you know, in real life, that was a, ne a necessity that he recognized. And indeed, he he kept kept Siam an independent state for a long time, which is. You know, I think his story is very cool. Where is that in this musical? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, right. like yeah, everything you're saying is interesting. Sounds great in a different story. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Rogers and Hammerstein Diana the musical. A bit, <laughs> except with good music. Let's be clear, this music actually kind of rocks. I actually um, have a musical hot take okay. about all three of the, I don't know if it's, it's about all three of the musicals that we covered. Okay. Carousel must be classically trained. The music gets nearly operatic and asks an insane range of everyone singing it. Mm -hmm. South Pacific, the tunes, this, obviously this is all in my opinion, South Pacific, the tunes are better. They're a little bit catchier, but I also think musically they're a little more complicated. And I thought King and I was the easiest fucking shit ever. And everyone could sing it. There's not a ton of harmony in it. Because to be honest, and I, like I, Yule Brenner, like his, the, the one big King song, it's like, and the a same note, same note, same note, same note, same note, same note, same note. Which is why note, Rex Harrison a, was the first choice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, well, and that that all happened and, because of Gertrude Lawrence. They had to kind of keep it contained because she was getting older. She didn't have the voice that she did have in her younger years. I think she was fifty-one when they when they started rehearsals on it, and yeah, so and as a result, they, it, it mess, exactly it messes with their with Rodgers and Hammerstein's overall structure. You know, it also you're have, keeps there from being anything impressive. There's never an impressive moment in this show, like musically. Like there's no. never a moment where I'm oh. like, "Whoa!" I think the Tuptim's uh, "He, uh, My Lord and Master" is very impressive. I think the duets uh, from Tuptim and Lunta are. Are, very... are those in the show They're within the, the show? No. No, 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 no. I don't know. What you, you're talking about. You've been asleep during those every time. <laughs> oh, okay, they cut. It. They cut "My Lord and Master" from the film, which is unfortunate because now Tuptim is just this pretty face. Yeah, that has two Rita Moreno. <laughs> yeah. Rita Fucking right. gorgeous face. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you know, she's Puerto Rican. The guy, Carlos Rivera, was Mexican. I mean, yeah. Good and, work, America. And the 30 I, children were all East Asian, but. None of them were Thai. None of them were, none of them were Thai. Thai. They were Filipino. They were Chinese. There were some Japanese. Um, but. Jesus. And I think. Chula that, Lungcorn was Filipino. The kid that played Chula Lungcorn. I know that. Yeah. And I think that, that that's the thing that baffles me today that that we went so long uh, into the into the 90s before we we really start to go, oh, these really should be Asian roles, right? Like, right. yeah, the, the fact that it took so long. And I think that that was partly because of Yul Brenner and his sort of shadow that hangs over the show and will always hang over the show. But it's not until what Ken Watanabe in what 2016 yeah. or so that that we have a, a legit 
Asian actor playing the role. Well, Lou Diamond, Lou Diamond Phillips was Filipino, half Filipino. Oh, that's you're right. You're right. And and I think that I saw that production in '96 with Donna Murphy. I think that production was probably the best Broadway production because it had been kind of revolutionized by Christopher Renshaw, the Australian director who had spent years in Thailand and really tried to make it more authentic. I mean, it was still 96, so that far, as far as casting goes, they couldn't quite go the way that we do now that nowadays. But as far as, like, just the treatment, you know, it opened with the Thai prayer, uh, the costumes and the sets were just a little bit more authentic, authentic as opposed yeah. to, to uh, previous productions. Because the, the most recent revival, in my opinion, which I saw at the Pantages, was kind of cold and kind of... Maybe they were going through the motions. I, I was put to sleep a little bit too, Bailey, by the recent revival. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed very kind of dark and cold. And I don't, I don't, I've never been to Thailand, but I feel that it would be a very kind of humid and sexy. It and is, just, it is. That's, you, know, you got like it, a, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's a directorial, that's a directorial thing. Um, film I found does it, get, go ahead. I was just going to say in previews, like when they did their initial Connecticut runs of the original, uh, it was running at four hours and they had to cut. Oof. They cut and then moved things around and added and took away and and carved it down. Um, but four hours, it was that's that's yeah. long for what the what this story was trying to tell, I think. And oh, on seeing Donna Murphy play that role was, I mean, I was still in college, but she made me weep because she was so real Mm. and when the king dies at the end uh which they had changed from the original production because he kind of died in the background in the original production but in this production it was front and center Mm -hmm. because it was more Thai. it was more uh just kind of like in especially if it's the monarch it's going to be much more important right yeah um can i read this little thing that i found yeah yeah in Thailand, Thai people believe everyone has two souls. One of those souls is the Quan, a person's sense of self, his confidence, his self-respect. They believe that you can lose your Quan through the top of your head, which is why they all wear those top knots, and why the king should never be bald. Hmm. And when he loses his self-confidence after talking to Anna, he finally dies. Therefore, Anna has killed him. He sacrificed himself for the country. I mean, that's a good musical. Yeah. Right? I will watch that musical. But I I mean, maybe there's a way to like switch it all. But basically, in my opinion, based on everything that's been said here, it's sort of like the way to fix it is to have it not be said in Thailand, in Siam. Mm. That's the way to fix it. It's like the story has, it it matters and like can, it can mean things, but it's like, but if we can't do it right, I don't know. I I think there's a lot to be done with it. It does. The movie though, you know, obviously lives on. People love it. Uh, I think there's a lot of nostalgia for it as well, which is why it's hard to, I think, pull it out of people's minds. It gets nine, yeah. nine Academy nominations, wins five of them. Wow. Freaking crazy. Uh, including Yul Brynner. Yeah, Yul Brynner including won Brenner. two Tonys and an Oscar for playing this part <laughs> of the years. He's, the only, he's one of ten actors that have won a Tony and an Oscar for playing the same role. Hmm. Also, wow. check this out. And I don't know that this has ever happened. I'm trying to think. I mean, I was trying to think of, like, maybe Jack Lemmon. No, because they didn't do the TV show. They did a TV show called The King and I 
1972 that ran 13 episodes starring Yul Brynner yeah. based on the musical wow. with no music. Ran 13 episodes, got canceled mid-season. All different people in the cast except him. He was just in it. But it's like, I wonder if there's that's ever been done. Somebody's played somebody in a movie on television and on <laughs> so dope. On so Probably dope. not these you, days. You know, they had... Yeah. They, they spent $750,000 building 40 sets, 40 film sets. $750,000 is the equivalent of $8 million today. Damn. Uh, they Their budget was $4 million, which is um, $41 million today. Adjusted. Wow. But it made... 23 million dollars so obviously they got a lot back which is 239 million dollars today damn isn't that crazy isn't that crazy people are still yeah. watching it I, and that's that's for them that's for the, the for the film that's for the he, film yeah i mean and which it shows marlon brando to... was actually supposed to oh, yeah marlon that's brando right was what? Mar- marlon brando was he was approached first to play the role of the king because <laughs> yeah. marlon brando had just he was in the tea house of almost moon playing yellow face yeah he'd already, yeah he'd already done it so i mean wow. it it shows there there are some aesthetically gorgeous moments the shall we dance is is amazing in its composition and the camera movement's fantastic i think it does something that the stage show can't do that also i think now can be seen as a little bit like look how different and a little bit of orientalism with the like grandness of the kingdom and the sort of like the differentism of it all i think is something that's been brought up a lot in people sort of revisiting that movie but it is you know it's a beautiful film do you guys know what tony's this has won it's won a shitload over the years right best well, 1952, it won Best Musical. So it gets Best Musical, it gets some other things that year, but then it goes on to have multiple revivals, all of which end up winning Best Revival. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Insane. Including the 2015 one. Wow. Or 2014, or whatever it was. I think it ran in 2014, won the 2015 Tony. Yeah. And I do wonder, like, if there's something about it that just really clicks with us that and i say us it doesn't click with me what that clicks with americans that clicks with people like because it lives on like this one lives on way more than any of their other work besides maybe sound of music in oklahoma am i wrong i mean those are the two that i think maybe people know more but sound of music doesn't get done on broadway very often no Uh, no no. um neither does You know, I mean, Carousel's had its revival. South Pacific had its revival. The Lincoln Centers and stuff. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like this is the one that, that I see most often on the regional theater season list. I, I I do think the Orientalism of it is still, even though people know it's inappropriate, people still want to see an exotic, quote-unquote, right. musical. Right. right. Uh, and, and the songs, I think they really are special. I just anyone can sing them because they're so fucking easy yeah i mean i mean that's that's part of it i mean they were pop hits you know know, getting to know you was huge and and it was in the adams family it was in the adams family yeah i mean it's (laughs) getting to know you and it's a hard knock life are (laughs) they are written in the same font 
<laughs> and now Ariana Grande has she Ariana Grande has that that song Nine Rings, which is has the uh, my favorite things. Oh. oh yeah, no, that's actually good. I love that. Let's yeah. not forget Gwen Stefani's "If I Were a Rich Girl." Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not R and H, but still a classic. <laughs> yeah. Love it uh, cool. Okay. Anything else y'all want to say about King and I? Can we talk for just five minutes about the small house of Uncle Tom? <sighs> which yeah, Jerome, yeah, we talk which, about it. Which Jerome Robbins did for the original. He did the choreography for the original show. Well, the one thing I will say for watching this show is it got me. I, I when I was in college and we studied some like theater of the world. I really got interested by all of the different styles of Eastern theater that we don't do here at all. And like, I looked this up and I don't know, I could be completely wrong on this because I was like, is this a, are they doing an actual specific style? And the only thing I found was that it was like Lacon, L-A-K-H-O-N, which is dance drama. And it's done with ornate costumes. It's women only in the palaces and stuff. And it's done for wealthy people, elaborate costumes and makeup and crazy dance and sets and props and everything. And it's always like, uh, folk tales and things like that. So like, I'm dying to fucking go over to like India or or Thailand and see like the 24 hour Ramayana like show. Like <laughs> right. I'm dying That'd to cool. do some shit like that. And I will say in that India, yeah, yeah, this totally re-upped that for me because I just thought the the costumes were beautiful and everything. But that's it. I was just curious what y'all thought about it. I think it's aesthetically beautiful i just don't think it's authentic at all yeah i don't and think what, jerry robbins was, went to thailand yeah he didn't yeah he right he didn't, he didn't study it there yeah. are elements I, obviously there are elements of he had to have had some type of uh consultation because there are there are elements of a stylized way that the dancers are moving mm -hmm. uh, but again i think the whole premise and idea of the uncle tom's cabins within a within the musical is RNH trying to push the envelope. Yeah. You know, they're trying to tell, I mean, in the story, they're trying to tell the king how bad slavery is. And then maybe in the audiences in 1956 were like, maybe I should read, read this. Yeah. yeah. Or how dare they put that book on stage? Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, or that. yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing it to be provocative. And it's kind of, kind of one of the things I, I would, can't, I've come to love about them in the three shows that we've gone through is that they just weren't afraid. They had the power and they used it to push things as you know as far as they could be pushed at that time and place. Is is there a relation to the Trump presidency and the king, you know, being kind of like this child up, up like saying, you know, I I want to do this, I want to do that, and the maybe the progressive feminist saying. I'm not a servant. You, know, you see all the Trump children off. come out during. <laughs> I would watch that music. <laughs> Anna has to be AOC though. It's got and I want to watch. I want to watch AOC and the King. <laughs> oh my god! So I would watch that. I kind of watch that. Yeah, that's the fix. That's the Make, fix. There you go. For this Do it, Keila. I would watch it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I'll just say one, two more words: fake, yeah. Oriental. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's maybe that maybe that's the thing that's bothering Bailey the the most is is that 
and why I maybe think it's, maybe I want it to be fixable. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe I want, maybe I admire what they were trying to do, Rodgers and Hammerstein with these, these steps in a big pop culture venue well, that other people weren't taking. And I want, I just feel like it's, I think especially learning and knowing about the, them as real people, what I would like is what I would like to see fixed about it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. you know, the I agree with that. I'd love to know more about these actual people. But also, I have to be honest, guy. like part of me also, when I let go of, and I, I really tried to do that, especially with South Pacific, I did that. And I'm trying to do that with this one. And I want to do it with Oklahoma a little bit too. I don't know that I can. Um, <laughs> I do want to let go a little bit of this 2022 lens that I put on everything, right? Because I do this sort of like, well, they're not they're not actually saying what they're trying to say, but actually at the time they were saying more than anybody had said, right? So it's and the yeah. way they're doing it and the way that they're um attempting it might be incorrect to, in in reality and it might not be culturally uh sensitive, but what they were doing f- based on their current mind state, what they knew, what they were given, what what they had to work with they they're doing genius shit like genius shit to yeah. put uncle tom's cabin in this show is genius yeah shit. that's, that's like, hard to pull straight off. up like i'm with it i'm with it <laughs> which is why i agree with these guys part of me is like god i wish you could fix the fuck out of this and make it about anna yeah. and, and the king and actually about them and like kind of screw like i don't need the children's stuff i don't need the forbidden romance like, it's all fun and i like those songs but in all reality, I would really like to know about these people. And I don't know that that's present in the book currently. Right. And I think that's what I don't love about it. I'm just sort of like, I wish it would need a whole rewrite. When I Yeah, when I say fixable, I mean like yeah. a, a Kushner level, you know, rewrite. No. Have yeah, Kushner. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Right, Have you right. seen the, the Jodie Foster Chow Yun Fat film? Yes, I did. Yes, it's 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 weird. It's visually there's some really interesting stuff happening. I only saw it one time, and I saw it in the theater, and I was like, "It does." They it, don't. They don't. They don't dance one time. One goddamn time. And it's yeah, all there's movie. none of that. It's not a musical, and it's it is the same story, obviously, but it does a good job of getting a little bit more into the bureaucracy bureaucracy of it all, and like the kind of like bullshit of it all. But I just feel like. Mm-hmm. It it can't really be fixed, and then there's an animated movie that has all the music in it um, that I think people really loved back in the day. I just think, as racist, the 2000s. and Ooh. Paramount just as racist, though. and Paramount has just announced that they are doing another film. No, they're remaking it. Yeah. I want to be in it, even though I'm not Thai. Maybe I, I will be. <laughs> well, maybe I mean... they won't set it in Siam. Maybe they'll do something. <laughs> or maybe the they'll. Maybe if they're smart, they. Make they it hire more about Thai, the real people. Yeah, and they make maybe hire a Thai director and maybe a a Thai uh, writer to fix wow. try and fix I'm it. I'm down for this know. Trump version, to be quite honest. <laughs> I would watch that. I, I have to say the um, uh, the film unfortunately doesn't do the book any favors because they cut a lot of the songs that give more well rounded stories to the characters, like the my lord and master and they give away they 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 take away the proto-feminist song shall i tell you what i think of you that right. Anna right. says you know your servant your servant tell me i'm not your servant you know bow down your majesty blah blah, blah all this shit so yeah the and, film and um is, western people is, funny 
Western people funny, right. which they brought well, back for I, the 2018. I, that, it's pro it's problematic. They did, but, but it does. But it's critical of the Western the perspective, talk. right? Right, but it's yeah. from the Western perspective. But unfortunately, it was written by someone who is not of that, right? You know, right culture. Sure, right. sure. So uh, yes, it is. Ma it's made to be like, oh well, here the Thai people get their song about what they think of you know Western people. And aren't we magnanimous? <laughs> <laughs> also, did you know that The King and I is the only musical mentioned in Billy Joel's song "We Didn't Start the Fire"? That's right. It's really interesting. I there's this podcast called "We Didn't Start the Fire." the podcast and I've listened to it before and I realized like, Oh, there's a, there's an episode on the King and I, I'm going to go listen to it. So I listened to it today. <laughs> it's a podcast where they dissect the lyrics of Billy Joel's. I we didn't it. start the fire, but like, why is he referencing the things he's referencing? <gasps> ah. This is the only one I've listened to where they were like, Billy fucked up on this one. And they were like, because he could have named Sound of Music. He could have named like Ooh. like three other things. They were like, he could have named anything. And he chose this one. And he was, like, and they were like, why? And then they started talking about like, because it rhymed. And that's probably why. But it's like, maybe okay, he but... saw it. Maybe he actually saw it. Maybe. I don't Growing know. Uh, that was their opinion, not mine. Anyway, very interesting. Uh, I love this podcast very much. We're going to move on to the next thing, which is <laughs> my favorite part because. Bailey loves ranking shit. You saying you like ranking what? things? Yeah, I like ranking. Shit, like rank. as a matter of fact. I like ranking shit. I don't like ranking things. Uh, this is the part where we rank the three things that we covered. Uh, so l let's get started. I'm going to go first. Three, King and I. Two, Carousel. One, South Pack. Go, CJ. Three, King and I. Two, South Pack. One, Carousel. Okay, Scott. <laughs> Carousel, like three by like a thousand miles. Uh, and then I've changed up. Uh, number two is King and I, number one, South Pack. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Kila, yeah. Killa, to kill a mockingbird. Three is South Pacific, two is the King and I, and one is Carousel. Wow. All... He likes Carousel. Yeah, Carousel's different? great. We are all different. I kind of live yeah. for it. And I want to be clear. I don't know that I really liked any of these that much. I'm just <laughs> the most interested. I think Karis, I'm still hooked on this. I want to see someone do Carousel the way that I feel it should be yeah, done. I, I think CJ, didn't, most didn't you say your parents saw Yul Brenner in The King and I? Yes. Yes, mine did as well. In Kansas City, and my mom said that she felt like the woman playing Anna was literally carrying him. Oh, oh! Like they, through the dance, through the dance number. Dad wow. said they saw it in Chicago, and they were two rows back from the stage, and he could see the sweat on Yul Brenner's bald head. Wow! They also saw hey. Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think having them dance to a polka was Richard Rogers' attempt at saying, "Look, another culture is being introduced"? Yeah. To this other other culture. <laughs> also, polkas are fun. Have y'all ever polkaed before? Remember when Weird Al always put a polka on each of his albums? Oh, I yeah. Love it, polka. It, was just, yeah. it was just a mashup of a bunch of songs. Yeah, his polka mashups were ahead of their time. If yeah. anyone wants to polka with me, I know a basic step and just am looking for someone that can lead me better than I can lead. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Hit us up on the DMs. Looking uh, for leads. Did you, hear, did you hear that? 
Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al. Yankovic. Yeah, he's playing Weird yeah, Al. I'm so yeah. excited. I oh, posted it on my story the other day. I was like, this is everything. I'm so pumped. Can't wait to see it. That's what he should be doing. That's what Daniel right. Radcliffe should be doing now. Uh, speaking of Daniel Radcliffe, did you know that the lead actor in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway was yes. let go because of misconduct? Yep. Yes. Did you know that I want to go eat dinner, so I'm going to get us out of here? Dream rolls. Here is the next segment that I love to do. This is uh these are our dream rolls from the RNH canon. Uh from any show, not just from the three. Uh anybody got got some dream rolls? Maria. Aww. That's it. I love her. Oh, I would never see you in that show. Fuck you. <gasps> I love you. I How love do you. How you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> just don't do it. I also like the nuns too. Uh Keila, you got any you got any dream rolls? Well, I've always dreamt of playing the king and the king and i and maybe it'll happen in the tony kushner virgin uh, <laughs> yeah i've always i've always wanted to play angeras in les miserables I, that's I not r and i know well she wait you said of any show i said of any any i want to play angeras i clarified that before so, we recorded too. uh yes you did yes you did it's fine uh that's it Angel Ross and and, and Yul Brenner. Got it. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, Scott? I want to play the sea captain in King and I. The king and I. The captain of the boat. Uh, no, it. no. There's there's nothing nothing in here for, for me that, that really screams out. I would love to play Max uh, Detweiler. In I love Sound Herr Detweiler. Oh. Herr Detweiler. I really want to play him. <laughs> He's fun. Um, I'm not German, but you know, uh, <laughs> you're white. It white. works. Um, and I also, just in general, would love to tackle some of those other pieces we talked about. Me and Juliet, Pipe Dream. Some of those that I'm like intrigued by, but Allegra. didn't do so well. And I'm like Allegro. I want to like go back in and like see what we could do with them as a director. Very exciting. Uh, okay. Anybody? Uh, you, you got anything to pitch, Keila? You guys got any? LA Spotlight. You got anything? Sure. I'm co-directing The Winter's Tale with Shakespeare Youth Festival. That'll be up in the end of March. I'm also co-producing A Little New Music. Our new musical theater concert is going to be back on March 15. Amazing. At the Catalina Jazz Club. Oh, cool. Nice. Wow. Look yeah. out for that and follow them on Instagram. I like their Instagram a lot. Uh... Scott, you got any? I do. Um, I am Good. producing Good a pre production of uh, uh, of a show that has been postponed for a week um, out of an abundance of caution uh, for COVID. Uh, but How We Got On by Idris Goodwin will be at Sacred Fools opening February 7th. It's a beautiful, beautiful show about young people finding their voice, finding their art. Um, and I'm proud of everybody for for hanging in there as we maneuver these times. Yeah, it's rough times, but uh, I'm excited to see it. Siege and I are going uh, opening night. Siege, I have a tiny quick one. Uh, a yeah. uh, friend of the pod and avid listener, Travis, directed the show that's opening February 4th at Loft Ensemble called Coloropolis. He directed it, and I did a wee bit of choreography for it. Choreography, <laughs> did ya? But uh, apparently not in, in uh, any working we'll, we'll on your Irish accent. 
I was just being a dick. Right. Was that Irish? Oh, I was. I was uh, that was Mars. You, I'm just. I'm was, just uh, pushing you. Barf up no, it was later. Welsh. It was Welsh. Um, I love y'all so much. Thank you, Keila, for joining us. Yes, I am yes. so happy to be here. This has been something wonderful. Ah, right? must have done something good. Yes. Shall we uh, dance? Thank you for joining us for part three and the end of South Pacific. Join us next week. Uh, we're going to start up our first bonus mini series of the season because we are due for one uh, in terms of the math of how many episodes we do in between these. So this is, we're, we've looped back around. This is the first one we ever did which is plays that have been turned into movies. Mm -hmm. So we've looped back around. I'm very excited about it. Next week, we are covering the first two, which are, can you guys Raisin, name them, actually? Raisin in the Sun and uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I think That's chronologically, right. those are the two. Correct. Yeah. And then the next week, we're covering, Scott, do you remember? Can you name them? Sleuth and Rabbit Hole. That's right. Sleuth and Rabbit Hole. Now, I'm going to be watching both versions of Sleuth, the Michael Caine and the the Lawrence Olivier Michael Caine and the Michael Caine Jude Law. But I'm going to try to get them both in. I think we're going to mostly be talking about the OG. There's right, two Scott? raisins in the yeah. suns too. There's there's like four raisins in this in this all the suns. There's the <laughs> P Diddy one. Uh we're not going to talk about that. We're talking about the Sydney. <laughs> we're one. doing the Speaking of uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, did you know that it was the same costume designer as the King and I, Irene Sharoff? <laughs> That's uh, cool. She did she did Yep, she did that. She did Hello, Dolly. You know what her last film was in 1981, starring Faye Dunaway as a very famous actress? Mommy Dearest? Well, was it Mommy Dearest? It's her last. Wow. Oh, we love Mommy Dearest. I'm obsessed with that movie. Keela, did you know that I love you? It's been great getting to know all of you. Yes. Getting to feel free and sleazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Hey, do y'all have questions or comments, additions? We want to hear from you. You can email us. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Scott. Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who wrote our theme song and all of our stingers. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. It is true. Uh, Ryan's a hell of a guy. Also, a big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our Roger and Hammerstein-centric song, which you are about to hear. Pam's going to be with us next week for our In Stuff, and we're very excited to have her, as always. She's amazing. And finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Annie Baker for writing every single one of our episodes, and she doesn't even know it. One day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. We are going to buy her a beer. Keila, can I ask you, what do you think Annie Baker drinks? I was thinking um, orange juice for some reason. <laughs> like Blue Moon and maybe orange a, juice maybe or a just orange juice? Ball, a screwball. Oh, so she's not a beer yeah. kind of girl. Okay, well. All right. I get it. I kinda what do wonder... you drink, Keila? Huh? What are you having? Uh, well, I'm, I'm practicing dry this? January. I'm practicing dry January, but usually oh. if I had a drink, it would be a Savion Blanc or a Manhattan. Okay. Ah, Ooh. classy. Written by Richard Rogers. <laughs> yes. there you go uh please go rate subscribe and review it does really really help we appreciate it so much Keela, write us a review but do it anonymously um, <laughs> it's a good bit y'all it's a good bit uh okay mouths and butts are the same thing uh, i'll talk to you later never forget Bye. Oh, uh, did you know that you'll 
that Yul Brenner and Sharon Tate were in a blue movie that was filmed <gasps> by Roman Polanski? Uh, Are we done? That's so <laughs> no, DJ. No, we're still going. Remember no. every little yeah, thing as if it happened only yesterday. Parking by the lake and there was not another car in sight. Yeah. Yeah. We and I never had a girl shine. looking any better than you did. And all the kids at school, they were wishing they were me that night. That night, that night, that night. And now I'm finally so hold so close and tight. It never felt so good, it never felt so right. This song is eight minutes long. Do your ending, Scott, like a metal do it. On the it's too much. Glowing like metal on the edge of the knife. Come on. Hold on tight. Well, come on. Later, everybody. <laughs> eight eyes, Oh,